I want to start the show today by talking about the COVID-19 vaccines and just how effective they are long term. How long does the protection last? It's a question scientists have been asking since COVID vaccines were first approved for use. A new paper, which has yet to be verified, suggests the protection from the Pfizer vaccine may run out sooner than many would like. After six months, 46 people tested showed greatly reduced antibodies. It's limited data, but doctors are paying attention. Joining us on the phone now, Jason Kindrachuk, assistant professor at the Canada Research uh, and Canada Research Chair at the Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. Jason, good morning. Morning, Hal. Good. We'll start there, and then I've got some other questions for you because we are seeing COVID numbers rise here in Manitoba. Your thoughts on that? Um, when I heard the story, it's getting quite a bit of attention. I kind of went, "Well, we kind of thought that anyhow, right?" Or, or we th- certainly thought it was possible. Well, you know, much like everything else with COVID, it's complicated, right? So we've we got to look at this from two different aspects. There's, there's data certainly showing that we see some drop in, in the ability for the vaccines to protect us from getting infected. That that part is, is not that surprising. Um, and that's certainly been what's kind of been grabbing a lot of headlines. But I think in the background, um, the thing that we're also maybe missing a little bit is that the protection, certainly from hospitalization, actually stays really high and, and, and fairly strong. Uh, you know, out beyond, you know, to that six-month point and, and seemingly beyond. So, you know, we're, we're kind of getting into the weeds a little bit here with trying to say, okay, what, what is the most important aspect of the vaccine? Is it the protection of our healthcare system and certainly people getting sick? Or is it the, the potential to, to stop people from getting infected? And that's, you know, we, we can get in this debate about boosters and, and how effective those will be long-term for protecting people from getting infected. But if we can hold people back, from, from getting sick and, and actually showing signs of disease, that's a big win for us and continues to be a big win. That's a really good point. You may still get COVID. You may still not feel well, but chances are you aren't going to end up in the hospital and certainly not in intensive care and not die from it, right, even though it's maybe been six months or longer since you, you became fully vaccinated. Let's talk about hospitalizations a bit because uh, they're up to yesterday's numbers were 98 people in hospital, 18 in intensive care. Test positivity rate is up to 3.7%. Again, these are yesterday numbers, but they're the latest numbers that we have. This is this is concerning, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is skewing the wrong direction, right? I mean, listen, I you know obviously I'm I'm quite concerned because of what's been going on in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, you know, I I don't I hope that we don't go that route, uh, considering how high our vaccination rates have, have been across the majority of the province. Um, but, but we're still seeing concerns, and we know that we're not back to baseline in our healthcare system, which means we're not starting from zero again and, and moving upwards. Every you know every additional patient that goes in right now, um, you know, is actually you know an extra stressor right now for for those that are on the front lines. Mm-hmm. I think that is for me anyhow. And again, I've just covered this, right? You're you're the yeah. expert. You tell me, and everybody has an when it comes to COVID, everybody's got an opinion about everything. But I look at the hospitalizations and the number of people in intensive care. Um, it's tragic when people get sick and end up in in hospital. But I worry about our healthcare system being pushed beyond its max. We've already seen that here to the point where we had to send people to other ICUs and. 
And that's my worry because that we we just can't handle that being underwater with our health care system, can we? Well, no, we can't. And I think again, you know, let's look to the provinces to the west of us, and certainly the situation we we were in in the third wave and the second wave, which. It's not just COVID, right? The COVID cases, as those start getting introduced in hospitals, that puts stress on all the non-COVID hospitalizations as well. And so we, you know, we, we see this kind of, you know, secondary effect of, uh, of the virus. And, and this is a concern for us. It's a concern for, for everybody at that point, whether or not you believe that you're going to get sick of COVID. You know, people get sick from other things, and, and we really need to be worried about that. We're going to talk to a Winnipeg man uh, who was hesitant to get the vaccine. He is now fully vaccinated, so I'm curious to talk with him in just a few minutes here about why he was hesitant, why did he change his mind. Uh, Do you think we have now reached the point where if people aren't vaccinated, they just likely aren't going to get vaccinated, Jason, or are you still holding out hope? Ah, Listen, I I try to be an, an eternal optimist. It's harder. It certainly is very, very difficult for us at this point in time. Um, but we've got to have those conversations, whether we, we think it's going to help or not. Um, we, we've got to start basically trying to turn the tide even now because we've we got to think a game beyond COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to have the conversation. We're going to talk about this on the show today. We have to have those conversations. But boy, you have to feel like at this point, really, what what? And now we're you know we're we're into our fourth wave here, and the numbers are on the way up again. And we've seen now what's happened over the past several weeks in Alberta and Saskatchewan. I just can't imagine somebody out there. And please, if you're out there, let me know, 204-780-6868, because I'd love to talk to you. But I can't imagine somebody now saying, uh, you know, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm now going to get vaccinated. I think at this point, if you haven't seen enough evidence and enough proof, boy, I, I just don't see how you're going to now make the leap. I hope you do, but I, I just can't uh, I can't see it. Anything else that is on your mind, Jason? I always like to sort of uh, try and give you an opportunity to say, what's on your radar? What are you watching? These are the things that I have been watching, the numbers and, you know, this latest uh, information data on how long the vaccine might last. What's on your radar? What are you keeping a close eye on? Of course, the new restrictions kicked in, uh, including in southern uh, Manitoba. So what are you watching? You know, it's certainly still watching the, the test positivity rate and, and certainly the, the overall number of cases that we're seeing coming out of the south. Uh, we, we've got to watch that. Certainly watching the, the, the uh, discussion on the, the vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a, a really big change for us if we can get that pushed through. Um, and then molnupiravir, the, you know, the new antiviral. I think that actually, when we think about people that are going in a hospital or people that are getting sick, um, this is going to be a potential drug for us. To, to be able to treat those cases. And, and I think to me that that's one of the, the aspects that we've really been lacking in this fight against COVID. And, and hopefully this is, you know, really a, a changing of the guard right now for, for us to be able to, to give those people something and, and some, uh, some additional protection. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the Merck pill, right? That's the Merck pill. That's exactly it. Yeah. It is incredible when you think about, you know, how far we've come from, oh boy, we've got this uh, virus uh, pandemic, and then, you know, not one vaccine that's kind of effective, but several that are very effective, and now we're seeing antivirals, and it, it really is incredible. Science, it, it blows me away, and, and I think we will look back at this and go, man, uh, it, it, terrible that it happened, but boy, did it happen at the right time. I, I hope so. I, I hope people maybe have a, a renewed faith in, in science. 
Um, certainly for me, you know, I, I look at my colleagues and I'm inspired by, by what we see every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we, you know, we still have people that look at it and say, you know, why are things taking so long? And, and that to me, it's, it's difficult. We're, we're working against, you know, one of the worst crises that, that we've faced. And, and I think yeah. the progress we've made is unbelievable. Jason, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Al. Jason Kindrachuk, Assistant Professor, Canada Research Chair, Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the U of M. Joining us on the phone now, Jason Lorato. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. You are um somebody who is now fully vaccinated but you were hesitant you you came to the party late why were you hesitant to get vaccinated you know i guess if if there was a flag that i could hold that said anti-vaxxer and all things like uh, i carried that for almost 20 years and so you know that that was my mindset um forever including this current covid you know pandemic that we're in and, and why? So you just didn't believe that they did any good? You thought they were dangerous? You didn't believe the science? Why were you hesitant? All of that. You know, you, I, I get the people from the south and, and you know, the Winkler Stanley, Steinbeck area. I get it. I lived that life for so long in terms of now I can say believing the wrong side of the fence. You know, um, quote, unquote, maybe, maybe not, you know, doctors, scientists who were on the other side of the fence saying, how the vaccine is going to harm or kill you within six months to a year to two years to even as far as saying the government's out there to control you. You know, um, those are some of the thoughts that I had for, for years. Hmm. And where did those thoughts come from? I mean, you just sort of did, you know, we talk about misinformation and, you know, uh, that side of the argument being out there and, and all over the place. You were brought up with those beliefs. You just, you grew into them. How, how did they come to be? No, I, I definitely wasn't growing up that way. You know, my parents are very much, you know, pro-science and, and, you know, the vaccines. And so that wasn't the issue. I think it was just something I fell into with, you know, whether it be circles of people that I was with. Um, and then, of course, the growing Internet age where you can do your own research, whether right or wrong. Um, you know, that just started to grow. And there's a, an entire population out there that now to them, and I was there, sincerely believed it. You know, it wasn't coming from a, I hate the government standpoint. It was a, yeah, there's something wrong, you know, and, and it, so for those down in Southern Manitoba, they actually believe it's true. And I was there. Hmm. And what, so what changed your mind? You, because you are now fully vaccinated, right? As of, as of when? Uh, I got my second vaccine, uh, September 19th. So I just got my QR code yesterday, but, um, you know, my, my wife's son got married just a few, like a month and a half ago. And up to that moment, too, it was like, never, no one's going to convince me. And that evening after the wedding was done, I sat in the garage of my wife's sister and uh, her husband, who actually both work in the medical field as well. And late night, you know, we're talking three-hour conversation where I just expressed my concerns, my fears, the people I was following and they came from a place of sincerity and love and care and answered all my questions without coercion, you know, without the pressure, just, Jason, here's the facts. And even up to that minute before the conversation started, my mind was like, oh, no, we're about to talk about this. And they're not going to change my mind. And I came home that night to my wife, who was waiting for me, 
I sat beside her and I says, okay, um, let's book the vaccine. And two days later, I got it. And it, for me, it was not so I could travel or not so I could go to the Bombers game or go to restaurants. I was convinced I can live without that. So that, that had nothing to do with it. It had to do with now my, my mind being woken up and saying, i got to protect myself and my family. Hmm. You know, we're going to talk about this today, and we've talked a lot about it, right? Caring, kind conversations and mm-hmm. not pointing fingers or getting angry or any of that stuff, just having, you know, and, and it's great that you had experts, doctors in your family, that you were able to sit down for three hours and say, here are my concerns, and they answered each and every one of them. You, you mentioned your wife, so your wife was already vaccinated. You were holding out. I was. She was vaccinated almost in the beginning. And, you know, she definitely wanted me to. And I just dug my heels in the ground, not out of anger. You know, it was just, a, you know what, no. And I, and I sincerely believe that I was going to harm myself if I got it. And, you know, now I look back and say, man, was I ever foolish? But, yeah, I mean, like you said in the beginning, I'm late to the party, but I'm, I'm in the party now. Hmm. And how do you feel about that? Excellent. Excellent. Such a peace of mind. You know, I... I was on social media before, and I was the one that was pushing, don't get it, don't do it. And I regret that, because I'm sure there's some people that listen to it and and maybe following it. But now on the other side of the coin, you know, I have uh, one of my best friends from Steinbeck just got it. You know, I have my wife's son who looked at me after I got the vaccine and like, huh, if you did it, after what you believed, maybe it's okay if I do it. So he just got a second vaccine two days ago. Hmm. And I got to ask you, you mentioned your wife, uh, did that, her being vaccinated, believing in the vaccines and you for a long time, not believing in them and not getting vaccinated, did that cause tension problems in the relationship in the marriage? Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't detrimental or, or, you know, in the, in the toilet or ready to go, you know, out the door, but it definitely caused tension. You know, there was definitely moments of like, please do it. And me saying not a chance. So, yes, you know, I get those families that are going through some division right now because it it really does. And the the peace that followed afterwards, not just in my own life, but family and extended, just grew exponentially. Jason, listen, I have have been very uh, clear about how I feel about this. I think you've made the right choice. But but here's what I appreciate even more than the fact that you are now vaccinated, because I'm happy that that you've done what I think is the right thing. I'm happy that you came on and talked so openly and honestly about where you were before and where you are now, because I think stories like this and those caring, kind conversations, like the one that you had after the wedding, I think... All of that is is really going to make a difference out there. We're late in the game, but I I really think that this conversation hopefully uh, will help others, and I appreciate you doing it here with me. Thank you very much. I I agree very much, so thank you. Thank you. Jason Lorado, Winnipeg man, hesitated and is now fully vaccinated. Really interesting hearing uh, his perspective on this then and now. A spokesperson for Facebook had to take to Twitter to spread the word. People around the world were reporting trouble getting on the site. Also down, Facebook's other popular platforms, Instagram and WhatsApp. Yes, Facebook and Instagram, uh, WhatsApp uh, out for several hours yesterday. Joining us now uh, to talk a bit about this and some other technology news today, the president of Winnipeg's Alpha Technologies, Alan Castell. Al, good morning. 
Good morning, Hal. How are you? Good. Thanks a lot for doing this. I appreciate it. By the way, our question of the day, our question of the day at cgob.com, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp went down on Monday, yesterday. What's your reaction uh, when that happens? 60% number one answer, I'm never on them anyway. 36% say, good, I need a break from it. 4% say, I start to hyperventilate, I need my social media um are we addicted let's start here al this is my big question are we addicted and i'm doing the air quotes are we addicted to technology i mean i think if you're in any tim horns lineup or any lineup how you'll see how much that we are i mean everybody's got a phone out everybody is checking and uh, i mean i would think that we are as a society yeah and and look it, and it's it can be a bad thing and it can be a good thing i guess i mean everything in moderation right absolutely i mean kind of like like so many things like you said i mean in moderation it's a great communication tool we use it internally here for certain messaging aspects to to communicate as a group um and we were affected a bit yesterday when that went down but i not to the point that we were at a loss because we had other medium to to use to communicate text messaging you know email things like that mm-hmm. so you know, it did affect us in certain parts of our groups, and uh, but six hours, uh, we were quite fine moving on. But I do know that it disrupted a lot of our clients. A lot of our clients were calling us thinking the internet was down. So it and, 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 and we it, and we should explain. Al, one of the big things that Alpha does is you're basically an IT guy or person for for companies. So they don't have an yeah. IT person; they hire your company, and so you deal with it. I mean, you talk about other ways to communicate. Even Facebook took to Twitter yesterday to say what was going on, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> well, and internally they were using email to communicate because and and this. You know, the, the problem was resolved, and it wasn't one where people should be concerned about their data. The, the hardware that was affected had nothing to do with the security aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So it, it was something that we have seen on a smaller scale. It's just funny how it had happened, and it chained into a massive series of events yesterday. But um, when they recoup, they recoup pretty good. But, no, I, I think that we are, Hal. I, I mean, to what level are we addicted? Kind of like TV, you know. Mm-hmm. Are we addicted? I guess that would all depend on the person that you're talking to. Sure, yeah. And we don't know what happened yet, right? Yesterday with uh, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, we we don't know exactly what happened. There was some speculation because this uh, Facebook whistleblower who's actually testifying before U.S. lawmakers today, and, you know, Mm -hmm. there's all these conspiracy theories, but we don't know exactly what happened, huh? What we know, at least the the techs here that that have some friends, I mean, again, these IT people are, are all in communication, suspect it had to do with the routers, which are responsible for protecting the firewalls and that, which also help to route the information across. When you say, hey, where is it? They helped to, to determine where it is. Well, that is what we heard was affected, was that one of them was updated, and as a chain reaction kind of updated a bunch of others, and that's what we heard caused the calamity. Mm-hmm. Before we talk ransomware, and I, I definitely want to talk ransomware here because I've got a bunch of questions for you on that. Let quickly just mention Windows 11 is out today. I don't know if you want to comment on that at all. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, it's nice. It's kind of very, uh, I'd say the main thing about it is the ability to install Android apps into Windows. So we're now getting much more mobile to, to, to desktop integration. A lot of the Surface features, I mean, it looks a little prettier. It's got some nice features. They're bringing back the, the, the widgets from, you know, Vista from years ago. So something that was we, we liked back then. But overall, there's not a lot to this upgrade outside of some superficial changes from what I've seen. The Android mm-hmm. is, is a big aspect, though. But other than that, really just seems to be another skin on top of a, of a Windows 10 interface. 
Sure. Uh, and ransomware. So uh, cybersecurity experts, they're actually uh, holding a conference, I believe it's today, Canadian Internet Registration Authority's annual cybersecurity yeah, conference, yeah. and this uh, survey has come out at the same time. They say that, uh, just a couple of stats and then we'll talk about it, nearly 70% of Canadian organizations facing a ransomware attack last year paid the demands... Um, 17% of businesses say they faced attacks like this, ransomware, and well over half, 64%, support legislation that would prohibit making payments to ransomware's attacker, ransomware attackers mandatory. So 70% paid, but 64% think that they, they shouldn't, there should be a law that says you can't pay. What, by the way, let's start with this. What is the right advice? If you're being held ransom by a hacker and they say, hey, we got your info and it's going to go away unless you pay fifty thousand dollars is the right uh, advice to pay not pay i hear both well and that very much is determined by the value of that data to you you know and we we spoke about this before Hal. so for Mm -hmm. some people the replacement of that data let's say it's financial data let's say that if you don't have that data and you're going to face an audit you're going to be in big trouble what's the value of that data to you to prove your company's you know business or to prove your 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 and your your ends some people, they may get hit by it, and the data that is taken from them may be graphic files, for example. And, we, and I'm speaking from experience. We've had a client that, that had something happen. Um, those graphic files were replaceable. So they decided to not pay because they were things that they could get or reproduce. But I have had customers, and I went and did a count of our own percentages, and we're probably looking at about a 50% that have paid. In you know, probably 10 people in the last 10 years that we've had that have had something like this happen. Mm-hmm. And in every occurrence... It was the financial data that was the reasoning that they paid. So, again, to, to say should you, uh, what is that worth? What is the recreation worth? If it's something mm-hmm. that you could you know, hire your staff back and it takes you six weeks to do it at a cost of X, then you know, maybe it's not. But I don't agree with giving criminals money either. But if right. it was my personal files or my files that I needed to open my doors tomorrow – uh, I don't know how I, I would hate to be put in that situation because, you know, I'm sure that I would pay quite a bit if, if my files were taken or were, were encrypted. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing you do when that happens, and if you decide to pay to get your info back, then you call Alpha, right? <laughs> because you've obviously got a problem and you need better protection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the companies that do, and, and the, you know, the analogy that I use is if you had something stolen from your yard after the first time, would you not change the security in your yard? And that's what we see happening with a lot of customers when this has happened. And in every case, we've kind of warned them, but there's an expense to, to having to protect your stuff. And, and it's not always really expensive. It can be as simple as having multiple copies every day. You, you save a backup to a USB stick and you unplug it. Mm-hmm. Your security can be for a small business as simple as that. You just want to be able to go back to some type of time where you've got the ability to recoup your losses. Because mm-hmm. if you've got to go back and have no backup and it's everything, that's a huge problem. If it's a month, might not be as big of a problem depending on the amount of transactional data that you're collecting. So, you know, it's so hard for people to say what you should or shouldn't do when every single one of these situations is different. Even the ransom amounts I've seen have been different. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the reason, you know, 60-whatever percent say there should be a law banning paying uh, uh, ransomware uh, ransoms, I guess, is because if that sort of legislation was, was in place, then these bad guys, these cyber criminals, would then maybe stop demanding ransom knowing that they weren't going to get paid. I guess that's why they would, uh, yeah. would want to see that. 
hey, how is, and I'm just, you know, tongue in cheek, kidnapping is yeah. illegal last I checked. I'm pretty sure it's still going on. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, no, I, know I hear you. Yeah, it, it, you know? Yeah, and if and listen, if I uh, and I have a backup plan too, and as you said, they can be very simple, or they can be really complex and expensive mm-hmm. and super high tech. Right? You were telling me about yep. one yesterday, where uh, it literally uh, every minute or whatever sends oh, every everything. Every half an hour, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's it does an incremental backup every half an hour. So if that large company ever gets a cyber attack, they are good to a half an hour ago. So what happens is that backup stops. That way the bad data doesn't copy over the good data, and these are located a kilometer apart. So wirelessly mm-hmm. we're, we're sending that backup data over there so that there's a physical separate location. But every half an hour, so, and it has, this company has twice been saved because mm-hmm. of that situation. And listen, you're, you're a good friend. You've been a friend for a minute. I bought my first computer in Winnipeg from Al at Mine Computers way back in the day. So Al and I have known each other a long time. I just want to give a shout-out to your new showroom. Please tell people about it. you got th- a 3D printer set up there. It's really cool right on Portage Avenue. Tell people about it. Well, we've opened up kind of a division called Alpha at Play, so we've taken the main floor that used to have a, a tenant of ours in the building and, and right. uh, in March when they moved. As of last week, we kind of opened up a store for 3D print technology to be able to teach people to, to work with schools towards promoting um, this amazing and, and fast, uh, fast growth industry in, in what's called yeah. you know, uh, fixed FDM or, or you know, fixed printing. So we've, we've got printers here in resin. We've got things that we outputted. It's a very open environment to come in and talk. We've got even some of the things from the summer, if people are still interested, you know, the mobility mm-hmm. devices like the electric yep. scooters and kayaks and things. But really, as we get into winter, we're, we're focusing on that, on what is amazing technology as the 3D printers. Well, it's very cool. I want people to check it out. I wanted to give you a nice plug there because you're always Thank so you, generous with your time uh, here on the show when we're talking technology. Al, thanks a lot. Thank you, Hal. Talk again. Alan Castell, president of Winnipeg's Alpha Technologies. Right now, we thought we should check in uh, with the cattle industry. The president of the Manitoba beef producers, Tyler Fulton, is on the line. Tyler, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Thanks. Great. Thank you for coming on here here for a couple of minutes. We know what a tough year you guys have been having, you guys and gals, what a tough summer it's been. We're into fall, although it sure doesn't feel like fall. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the heat continues, man, and we know what trouble that's been for you. And then into winter, how is the industry as a whole doing? I know it's been really tough so far. Well, you know, the, the, the fall has actually been a little bit of a blessing. We had some pretty widespread rains back in August uh, that made a big difference. I don't think it snapped the dry cycle, but um, what it did was it brought on some pastures that really didn't produce anything earlier in the year. And, uh, and then now with these recent warm, warm days that we've got and warm nights, we're not seeing the frost that really seems to shut those pastures and, and crops down. So we're extending the, the, you know, the grazing season, and, and that's helping out. But, it, you know, to be realistic, it, it's not doing really anything to produce feed for the winter, uh, which, you know, has been the chronic problem really for this year. Sure. So finally, a bit of good news after a lot of bad news. But, yeah, as you head into winter, feed is still an issue, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. We now we did have uh, a program out from the the uh, federal and provincial governments called Agri Recovery mm-hmm. that is going to to help producers pay for the really expensive feed. I think producers have a lot of different options that they can choose from. Um, we're, we're this year in particular we're going to be moving away from 
you know, the more traditional hay and, uh, and, and be utilizing uh, products like straw and, uh, and, and baled up, uh, you know, crops like uh, crops that didn't make it in the drought uh, that we call green feed. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of different uh, innovative things happening. And, and so the agri recovery program will help kind of displace some of those added costs that go associated with the high, with the high uh, feed prices. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't, you know, we're, we're honestly kind of still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, there's, a, there's a big question there as to whether or not guys can rationalize spending, you know, $1,000 to feed a cow over the winter um and so we we still anticipate that we're going to see some more cows move into market so when would a decision like that have to be made Uh, likely in the next uh month or two um usually weaning of the of the spring's calf crop um happens usually in october and november uh in manitoba so we'll see that and 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 the good weather that we've seen now is is going to be adding pounds to the to the calves to make it you know, make sure that they're healthy and ready to go in the fall. Uh, and then once they've weaned those calves, um, that's when those decisions as to whether to keep or, or sell those, uh, those breeding animals. And Tyler, you know, over the summer we saw some uh, producers just get out all together, right? They get out while the, while the getting's not all that good, I guess, is a way to put it. Um, might we see that again then in the next month or two? Some people saying, you know what, that's it. it I don't, I don't like the future in this industry. I'm, I'm getting out. I do anticipate that we'll have some, uh, some producers that are doing that. Um, my hope is that. You know, it's it's limited to you know maybe you know some older older guys that um, you know that are are just waiting to you know we're waiting to retire and unfortunately they they weren't able to go out on a on a good note. But my my concern is that uh, really it's the young guys coming up uh, you know that would be taking on some of those ranch lands and um, and and grasslands that uh, you know that will be able to kind of pick up the torch and, and keep going. And so hopefully this agri-recovery program moves the needle on on helping them make a decision to keep more of those breeding cows around so that we don't take too big a, a hit in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know, you tell me, but I got the sense that when government help did come, it was sort of too little, too late. Um, am I right about that? And then what about the future? If, if some of the older uh, cattle producers, beef producers get out, some of the younger ones get in, there has to be a future in it for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the reality from, from my perspective is that the, you know, I'm still really optimistic about the prospect of, of the beef cattle industry in Manitoba. I, I see phenomenal uh, domestic demand for beef and, and, and globally. Um, and the way things are kind of shaping up, I think if we're able to hold on this winter, um, then I, I think that there's a lot of motivation to kind of uh, even go beyond um, just maintaining the herd. I, I think we can grow it if there's if there's profitability there, and and that's what I think is is coming down the pipe. But um, there's no doubt it, we were in crisis mode over the course of the over the summer months, and uh, you know and and it really is a, a good solid question as to whether you can rationalize spending the kind of money that we need to on feed in order to maintain the cow herd. Hey, Tyler, thanks for your time. All the best to you and and all the beef producers out there. 
Thanks a lot for having me again, uh, and enjoy the the the, the fall that that we've got here. It's uh, yeah. for helping things out. Excellent. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it. Tyler Fulton is the president of the Manitoba Beef Producers. So the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have suspended the CFL's leading receiver, Kenny Lawler, and they issued this statement last night right after the coach's show with Bob Irving and Coach Mike O'Shea aired here on CJOB. Kenny informed the team today, yesterday, of his arrest for operating a motor vehicle while impaired early this morning. Upon further investigation, the club has suspended Kenny for Friday's game and has reported the incident to the league office. We take this incident very seriously and have spoken at length with Kenny throughout the day. Kenny recognizes the seriousness of the situation and that this type of behavior is unacceptable and inexcusable. He has agreed to seek assistance as it relates to alcohol abuse and has cooperated fully with police on the matter. Uh, Joining us now to not talk about this, but more the impact on the team of losing a receiver like Lawler, Bob Irving, the voice of the Bombers here on CGOB. Bob, good morning. Morning, Hal. You know... (laughs) And I'm not saying this is the other shoe dropping, but yesterday I made a comment. Jim Toth and I were chatting, and I said, man, the Bombers are 7-1, you know, and I was I was saying, boy, I hope nothing happens. This is really a, a significant loss for the Bombers, at least for Friday's game, right? Well, sure it is. He's their top receiver. He had that great game in Vancouver, Hal. He caught 12 passes for 205 yards, although the game before he got one pass. So... You know, when the Bombers won that game, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world, I would say, but he is clearly mm-hmm. an important player and a, and a key player in their offense, and nobody wants to lose a key player when you're going as smoothly and riding as high as the Bombers are. Uh, this situation, and you read the release from the Bombers, I think, uh, you know, will take care of itself. The club has done the right thing. They got out in front of it. They immediately suspended him for the game on Friday night rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, come up with some, well, we're going to let, you know, the legal process take its course and all that. That would have been the wrong thing to do, in my opinion. So kudos to Wade Miller and uh, the people who run the Blue Bombers for getting out in front of it. Um, And now we'll, you know, he'll miss the game Friday and then we'll see what happens after that. But uh, so it's a blow how the, the bigger question, not so much the receiver part, you know, they have Naaman Roosevelt here who was with Saskatchewan had a couple of thousand yard seasons. He's a very accomplished receiver, so he can step in and the offense should still be able to function. Well, the bigger question when something like this happens is the impact on the rest of the team and the, the distraction it creates. And the last thing the bombers need right now is a distraction. They've won five games in a row. They're rolling along. They appear, appear to be headed for first place in the West. Uh, and, you know, this is something that they just did not need. So what kind of an effect will it have on them? I guess we'll find out Friday. Uh, I don't think it will, you know, cause the team to play poorly and come apart. It's a very tight-knit group, as we've talked about many times before, and they will support Kenny Lawler, uh, you know, probably thinking that, hey, he made, he made a mistake and a big one, but, uh, you know, he probably deserves to get a second chance, which I expect he will. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see Friday night. I mean, if they go out and roll along and and beat Edmonton, uh, then we'll have to say it had no impact on them. But if 
they happen to stumble, then you can, I guess, read into it what you want uh, in terms of the effect it's had on them. Yeah. It, I mean, this was upsetting news, obviously. You know, as a Bomber fan, you go, oh, that that really sucks. And, and I agree with everything you said about the Bombers, you know, getting ahead of this and how, how they're dealing with it. Uh, but I agree with you, too, that I think this locker room is solid. I don't think this is going to impact play very much at all. No, I would I would hope it wouldn't, and that would be my guess, Hal, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, they'll. Uh, I know Kenny Lawler is going to speak to the team today if he hasn't already. They they have a closed practice today, and they'll be on the field very shortly. But he was going to address the team, and then Mike O'Shea, and I think Lawler is going to speak to the media after practice today as well. I'm not sure about that, but I believe he is, and you know, he'll be very apologetic, and uh, and you know, he'll he'll own his mistake and say he did something very foolish and very wrong, and he feels terrible about it. And, and those comments will be genuine. You know, this is not a bad guy. We're not talking about a bad right. guy here. He just he, you know, he made a mistake. And, you mm-hmm. know, whether or not anybody wants to forgive him, I guess, is up to them. But uh, he did something wrong, and he will pay a price for it. Uh, and, you know, and, and he'll tell his teammates that he feels badly and he's sorry and it's never going to happen again. And then, uh, you know, it'll be back to work, I think, for the players. They got such a good thing going, Hal, in terms of the season they're having and all the rest of it that, uh, you know, they'll deal with this in an appropriate way. And then they just go out and play football on Friday night. And if they are able to do that with a clear head, and I don't see why they won't be able to, then, I, you know, I think the beat will go on. Yeah, I think so too. I mentioned this yesterday, and it, it, we were having a Zoom meeting, and uh, Jim Toth was in the meeting, and him and I started chatting about the Bombers and and how sports fans here in Winnipeg seem to have this mentality of, well, yeah, we're seven and one, but what's coming? Right, waiting for the other the other shoe to drop. And then Jeff Braun chimed in, and he said, well, we can blame Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers for that back in the day. And it is true that even when things are really going well, I don't know if it's our our personality as a community here in Winnipeg or what it is, and we've even had teams, I can think of bomber teams not that long ago that had that same personality. You know, they'd be up in a game, but then, you know, well, yeah, but hang on, you know, can we hang on and win this or what's going to happen? And uh, But, boy, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen this time, does it? Yeah, I think you're talking about the, the "it's too good to be true" syndrome. <laughs> yes, right, right, Hal, and yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I don't see that happening in this scenario. This team is winning because they're very good. Uh, they're better than the other teams in the West. Now, when we get to the playoffs, we all know that in football, in particular, it's a one-game showdown, and think anything can sure. happen. And, I could make a long list of upsets that have occurred in CFL playoffs over the years. So no things are guaranteed. But in terms of this team falling apart or hitting the skids or going into a losing streak, I don't see that happening. I really don't. I just think they're too good uh, for that to happen. And I think they're, they're too together. Their, their uh, focus, their mental approach is too strong for that to happen. That's my view of it anyway. So I, mm-hmm. I would say to those who are, waiting for the other shoe to fall that uh, it might not fall. You know, there might, this team might just roll through the rest of the year. Now, will they win all the rest of their games? Who knows if they win probably three Hal, of their remaining six games, they're going to finish in first place. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and if you're in first place, you're one win away from being in the great cup game. So I don't right. expect that. I don't, I don't expect the team to fall apart or to have any sort of 
And I would have one caveat. If they get some dramatically serious injuries, and you can say this about any team in any sport, if you lose a bunch of key players to injury, that changes everything. Uh, but so far, the Bombers have remained, you know, reasonably healthy. They had some issues early in the season, but right now they're they're quite healthy. They got three of their key players back in the game last week, and there's every reason to believe they will continue to play well and continue to win more games than they lose. Yeah, Bob, I got to let you go. We'll be listening to the pregame show Friday at five thirty right here on CGOB Bombers in Edmonton. Thanks a lot. Okay, you bet, Hal.